Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today we're going to talk about an article that uh, The Hill had uh, published uh, earlier this month, and it was with regard to uh, Navy pilots experiencing uh, weird objects, uh, objects that they don't think are drones or uh, they can't explain them. Uh, they don't know what they are, and uh, a lot of times these objects seem like they're going to cause a collision. They're going to collide with with these objects. Uh, now, this article, the headline is "Stunned by UFOs, exasperated fighter pilots get little help from the Pentagon." Uh, now, before I re- start reading this this article, I just want to say that I, I don't see you know how's the Pentagon going to help. I mean, that's I think this is the reason why they're not getting any help from the Pentagon because certain people in the Pentagon understand that there's nothing that could be done about this. How, how could you uh, uh, tell the, our extraterrestrial visitors to uh, stay away from our uh, Navy jets? It's just, you, you can't do that. So uh, when these guys are up there practicing, you know, uh, preparing for any kind of attack on the United States, they just have to deal with this. Anyway, there is so there is an effort that uh, is... Uh, being undertaken to try to figure out what these objects are. There's a, they're trying to uh, uh, provide a better. Re- there's an effort to try to provide a better reporting system uh, for pilots to report when these when they come in contact when they you know come close to these strange objects. Um, but after you, I'll leave the link for this article. But after you read this article, you'll understand that this is not something out of China or Russia, and it's certainly not something that's being tested by uh, some secret group within our own uh, military. Uh, why would you do that? Why would you endanger the lives of, uh, of your Navy uh, pilots uh, to test? Uh, that, that would be criminal, to, you know, to test some sort of object. But when you hear, when you hear the description of some of these objects, uh, they, they describe one, of these, one type of object, right? There's no way this, is, this isn't man-made. Right. There's no these things are being spotted, you know, 100 miles offshore. Right. The pilots say that, you know, they're there all the time. Right. And uh, there's no there's no uh, they never see any support base for these objects. They never see the objects if they're you know, if they're going in and out of a submarine. Well, they never see that happening. These objects are able to stay in the air and, and, and fly at the same speeds as as the as the jets themselves or faster right fly away from them uh these objects are not man-made that's what's going on here obviously what's going on here is uh there's there most most certainly are extraterrestrial bases under the ocean under the oceans of the world there's no question about it this is this uh the pilots have been seeing these things out at at sea for since the 40s since the since the late 40s they've been see they've been seeing them come in some have actually seen flying saucers fly out of the ocean uh but anyway let's look at this let's go through this article a little bit you know, and then you'll you'll see what i'm talking about it says in april 2014 four naval aviators narrowly escaped disaster just as they entered highly controlled airspace for a training exercise their two fa-18 F fighter jets nearly collided with an unidentified flying object. 
To the frustration of dozens of their fellow aviators, such a near catastrophe was inevitable. For months before and after the incident, air crews flying in exclusive use training areas off the United States East Coast frequently observed unknown objects exhibiting highly anomalous flight characteristics. Despite the collision hazard posed by the UFOs, aviators lacked a formal mechanism to report the mysterious objects. With aviation safety alerts as their only recourse, frustrated aviators and their commanders noted that the UFOs pose a severe threat to naval aviation and a critical risk to flight safety. Just days before the April 2014 incident, the squadron's exasperated commander wrote that it's only a matter of time before this results in a mid-air collision. A few weeks earlier, the skipper of another East Coast squadron warned, I feel it may only be a matter of time before one of our FA-18 aircraft has a mid-air collision. Despite the frequency of the encounters and the severity of the hazard, it took the Navy five years to adopt a formal UFO reporting structure. The first batch of these reports, heavily redacted and spanning only a few months in 2019, makes clear that the United States government faces a significant challenge. In one UFO incident, an aviator reported that he had, quote, never seen anything like this before, end quote, in another encounter, an aviator noticed an object with flight characteristics unlike anything I had seen in my redacted years of redacted, implying a particularly anomalous account encounter. Yet another pilot's report states that she had never seen redacted like it. The UFO did not change position like an aircraft would and was too high to be a ship. For fighter pilots armed with an array of advanced sensors, the confusion and bewilderment uh, reflected in the reports is striking. One aviator had a difficult time explaining the redacted. In another incident, a pilot could only describe a UFO in a puzzled voice over the radio. Yet another aviator described the UFO that appeared as odd as it sounds to be redacted. Unfortunately, a, a lot of this report that came out there's sections of it redacted so you got to use your imagination to fill in the blanks anyway continuing former navy fighter pilot ryan graves served with the aviators involved in the 2014 near collision in an interview i asked graves now a vocal advocate for aviation safety via sober scientific investigation of ufos about the recently released reports i see frustration I see confusion about what the aviators are seeing, Graves told me. There's not normal language in the UFO reports. That's not how we operate. Graves, it should be noted, is not your run-of-the-mill former fighter, fighter pilot. The only member of the officer candidate school class selected to fly fighter jets, Graves advanced rapidly, flying his first combat mission less than two weeks after completing training. Paired with a weapon systems officer, Graves was among only two or three air crews in a Navy fighter squadron selected as airborne forward air controllers. Soon thereafter, he was among only two air crews in his entire air wing selected to control ultra-sensitive missions rescuing friendly personnel from hostile territory. To top it off, Graves became his squadron's head landing signal officer and, following rigorous hands-on training, served as an aviation safety officer. Unsurprisingly, Graves takes the Pentagon's foot-dragging on UFOs seriously and personally. Quote, I lost about a friend a year on average while I was in the Navy. This is a dangerous business. To think that we're adding more danger for no reason is outlandish, Graves told me. For Graves, eight years of relative government inaction since his squadron's 2014 near collision 
quote, is unacceptable. It's a demonstration of ignoring the needs of their operators. That's the bottom line, end quote. Referring to a recent congressional hearing on UFOs, Graves drove this point home, telling me, in the last hearing, it was presented as, we don't know what these objects are, but everything's under control. Hey, look at this video. It looks like a, it, look, it kind of looks like a balloon. That I felt was disingenuous, especially when we consider the language the aviators are using in the declassified UFO reports, Graves said. Pointing to several accounts in which aviators appear to methodically rule out mundane explanations for their UFO encounters, Graves told me, to the best of their ability, these men and women are not putting their balloon sightings on this form. They are ruling prosaic explanations out as much as they can. Importantly, Graves said, aviators have a lot of paperwork to do. They don't want to fill these forms out for easily explainable objects. I expect the new reporting mechanisms are only revealing a small part of the problem. As the reports make clear, aviators are eager for answers regarding their UFO encounters, requests and queries such as, quote, please respond via classified email, uh, end quote, and then, quote, any questions, please ask, end quote, quote, responses to working classified email, please, and, quote, will be another Office of Naval Intelligence brief before we deploy, punctuate many of the reports. According to Graves, I see aviators searching and looking for help, looking for answers, and I see them getting nothing back. I guarantee they're angry that this is interfering with their job. People seem exasperated, he continued. Expressing his own frustration, Graves said that is that it is not the aviator's responsibility to report UFOs. They have much more important things to be doing. Of note, Graves told me that his fear is that if there's no feedback, then the data is not going to be perceived as valuable and reports will stop coming in. Emphasizing this point, Graves said the aviators who observe UFOs want to help, but from their side, it doesn't seem like anything is happening. If they don't get feedback, they're going to stop submitting the reports. For his part, Graves remains puzzled about the strange objects that he and his fellow aviators observed hovering in place, irrespective of wind or flying at several hundred miles per hour for remarkably long periods of time. According to Graves, we'd go on a flight in the morning, they'd be out there. You go on a flight in the evening, they're out there. They were pl pretty much always there when we, when we went out there. Ask whether the UFOs could be mundane objects such as balloons and drones. Graves told me, quote, we don't see those out there in training areas. I see those near airports. I see those over the continental United States, but I don't see those in our working areas. We're way out there, in some cases, hundreds of miles out to sea, and yet there's air traffic operating, and they're operating in ways that are befuddling our aviators, Graves said. If the mysterious objects were drones, Graves speculated, either they have some source of energy that allows them to stay airborne for very long periods of time, or there is some massive operation involving hundreds, if not thousands, of drones and boats, and they are constantly launching and landing, and somehow we haven't seen that. Moreover, training ranges typically begin 10 or more miles offshore, which, according to Graves, is a significant barrier for drones. Quote, even if there were submarine launched, we would see them descending to the ocean at some point. We'd see something. Even if they just blew up, we'd see something, he said. Regarding balloons, Graves told me, I would occasionally see small party balloons at very low altitudes. I got balloons on my radar and then saw them visually. Usually they're, they're behaving in a predictable, predictable manner, moving with the wind. They're not moving very quickly. Ultimately, drones and balloons aren't that mystical to fighter pilots, Graves said. If I see them on the radar and I can see how they are moving and the 
and the airspeed, it's not going to confuse me. In stark contrast to the military's recent UFO reports, Graves said, there's no mystery with drones and balloons. But the mystery only deepens as Graves recalls the shape of the objects observed by aviators off the East Coast. One of the pilots involved in the 2014 near collision described the UFO as a dark cube inside of a clear sphere with no wings or obvious means of propulsion. Okay, let's just stop there for a minute. Okay, a dark cube inside of a clear sphere with no wings or any obvious means of propulsion. That's what, that's what uh, in 2014, uh, one of the objects was described as. Uh, uh, so that, that's, that's something that we don't have. That's something that's not being operated by anybody on this planet uh, that, that could uh, uh, maintain flights hundreds of miles out at sea. Right, and it's just—it's impossible, right? These objects are obviously unearthly. They're extraterrestrial. That's what they are. Anyway, continuing. A few years after the 2014 incident, a test pilot flying in a nearby area told Graves of an encounter with such an object. According to Graves, a cube in a sphere UFO was just riding along with him about 30 feet from the aircraft before it zipped off. More recently, one of Graves' former student pilots, along with a senior officer, observed one of the objects. As Graves' former student told him, they're still out there. The object that looked exactly like what you said, a cube and a sphere, they're still there. From instructor to student, the UFOs now transcend at least one generation of fighter pilots. Nor are the encounters unique in the Navy. While he has not spoken with them directly, Graves is aware of a number of Air Force F-22 crews that are experiencing similar issues. Ultimately, Graves is committed to scientific investigation of the mysterious objects that he and dozens of his fellow aviators observed in recent years. To that end, he is spearheading an effort to gather scientists, engineers, and aerospace experts associated with the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics to analyze the UFO problem. According to Graves, we've been reaching out under the context of, the, of their members, engineers and scientists, and we're getting very positive feedback. Scientists, engineers from industry are messaging me with their personal stories that they perhaps haven't shared before. Technical experts, scientists, programmers, to name a few, from across the aerospace industry are extremely excited to be part of this. Importantly, as Graves notes the department of defense isn't aligned around scientific discovery they have their plate full with responsibility of defending our country let's re let's relieve that burden from them let's carefully reconsider our classification processes let's enable a process to move ufo related data through a review and declassification process that is governed by an oversight committee with dod academic industry and civilian constituents he said we need to enable new processes that allow new minds and new experts to analyze the data holistically okay <laughs> that's great you know i'm great you know i'm glad that they're, they're you know they're bringing in uh they're, you know you're trying to bring in uh, the scientific community to try to to look at this you know for the pentagon but I still firmly believe that many people in the Pentagon already know what the answer is. You know, no, well, not excuse me. I shouldn't say many. There's a there's a small group of people who know, who know that this is extraterrestrial. There's no doubt in my mind. They they've known this for a long time, and that's why really nothing's been done. I mean, you, I I, just, I can't imagine anyone in, uh, in the Pentagon uh, not wanting to investigate this to figure out what's going on. Uh, you know, especially when it seems like some of their uh, the Navy pilots might crash into one of these objects. That's because 
they know there's nothing they could be do about it. So that's why they really don't seem, it seems like they don't really care. That That's my belief anyhow. Um, but, you know, and I, and I guess just to to uh, uh, assuage the concerns of, of people who have to deal with these objects and have no answers as to what they are, I guess the Pentagon saying, okay, yeah, you get your scientists and you, you guys could try to study it. But, you know, these guys already have a pretty good idea what these things are. You know, again, secret group within the, with the, within the government structure someplace. They know. They know. This is extraterrestrial cubes inside of a sphere. Come on. That's not, uh, that's not something that's terrestrial made. These objects are obviously, they're not from China. They're not from Russia. They're not uh, some secret program, right? Why would, for, for one thing, let's rule out the secret program right off the bat because why would we, why would we take those chances with, with our uh, fighting men and women? Why would we do that? Why would we, why would we throw these objects at, you know, as, uh, and, and have them uh, potentially collide with, uh, with one of our fighter jets? Why would, why would we do that? I mean, that, that, I, so you could rule that out, you know, immediately. And then it's not Russia or China. There's no support base. They don't see any support base. There's no, they're not, there, there's nothing there, right? They're up there for hours. They're not drones. That's the other thing. You hear a lot of these, a lot of the debunkers out there will try to say, well, they're seeing, they, they, they call them drones. These aren't drones. They're not drones. <laughs> that's not, that's, drones aren't cubes inside of spheres. That sounds something like that out of a science fiction movie. Dr- cubes inside of a sphere? Dark cube inside of a sphere? That, that's not a drone. It's obviously something else. And it's not just these. I, I mean, I've, I, you know, you rarely hear of an object described as like this, a, a, a cube inside of a, a dark cube inside of a sphere. You don't usually hear stuff like that. Uh, usually you hear about flying saucers or other, you know, maybe a triangle uh, but usually you don't hear dark cube inside of sphere. You know, I, you know, that's, that's, that's something, you know, you don't really hear about too much, but obviously, you know, there's a lot of guys, a lot of men and women who are uh, fighter pilots that are seeing these things when they're, you know, doing training missions out and out at hundreds of miles offshore, right? They're seeing these things and they're there and they fly around, they move around, they fly just as fast as the, as the aircraft that they're in. And sometimes even faster, they just zip, zip away as the one guy described. Um, so, you know, basically there's, uh, we're being observed, you know, there, there, there's some sort of, you know, for whatever purpose, I don't know. Right. But there are object, there are objects out there that are clearly unearthly. Right. And obviously this, what does this tell you? This tells you that there's some sort of, you know, probably extraterrestrial motherships or extraterrestrial bases under under the oceans of of this world that's where they're most likely hiding out because of obviously uh, the oceans water covers a majority of this planet and uh, that's the easiest place for them to to hide but obviously they're sending out some of their uh, uh technology uh i don't know to spy on us maybe for other some other purpose maybe it's maybe it has nothing to do with us and they're just you know whatever but they're there right they're there and our navy pilots are seeing them sometimes they almost wreck into these things uh you know and you know the pentagon you know apparently you know seemingly you know acted like well there's nothing we could do about it I, that's because i think there's there are people who know there's nothing there is nothing you could do about it we're just gonna have to deal with it and hopefully we don't wreck into one of them but yeah, so basically our Navy pilots uh, on a regular basis are seeing extraterrestrial craft offshore all the time on a regular basis. That's the bottom line. 
Anyway, we're going to take a quick break and we shall be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we are back. Um, well, I think it's great that there are uh, scientific efforts right now, like uh, the Galileo Project, to study UFOs. That's fantastic. But I think there should be other efforts, efforts to study other aspects of this phenomenon. Uh, for instance, like I think there should be an effort to study people who are getting abducted by aliens. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who go to psychiatrists all the time to try to recover memories that they've lost uh, and who actually really truly believe that there are, are the targets of extraterrestrial beings who are abducting them on a regular basis. Um, and, you know, I'm certain there's psychiatrist offices across the United States, for instance, that, uh, you know, has a lot of people on file who they are working with who, who firmly believe that they are being abducted by aliens. And I'm sure that there's probably a percentage of these psychiatrists who actually believe these patients. So uh, if there was some sort of a scientific study to get to the bottom of alien abductions, that could be a major, major uh, step toward, you know, figuring out what's going on here. Because what, you, what could be done here is this, is that you could have a, some sort of a, a scientific group. I don't know how it would be funded or what. You know, that's, I don't know, right, I, I, uh, where the money's coming from. I'm sure money would come from somewhere. I mean, there's some billionaires out there that, that you know, who have been interested in places like Skinwalker Ranch. I, I, I don't see why they would be averse to uh, contributing some money toward a, a program that's trying to study alien abductions. Uh, so you get the funding, you have uh, different crews, uh, different teams of scientists that are assigned to, uh, like so we'll say the top three people who have are the most credible with their abduction stories and that, that have marks on their bodies on, you know, regularly. <clears throat> and these people actually, how, it would, how, how they, the, the people themselves would not be able to know for sure if they are part of the study. That would probably be very important because if they do know that they are part of the study, then that might cause the aliens not to come near them. For all we know, they could read their minds, right? Uh, they could find out that, oh, we, you have people watching you now. And okay, we're not going to come there anymore. That, that could be, you know, that, that could be uh, something that would happen. I, I don't know. Again, it's all pure guesswork. It's all speculation. But what you would do is you have in psychiatrist's office, like people who are abduct, getting abducted by aliens could sign a paper stating that they would, uh, uh, they, would they, they are willing to participate in a, in a program where they may be surveilled and they may not be. And if they are surveilled, they're not going to know it, right? From, from afar, from a distance, you know. You have basically some scientists operating like they're uh, in some kind of a CIA program where they're, you know, where they're surveilling uh, a person who is regularly who claims to be regularly abducted by aliens on a 24 you know hour seven day a week basis basically because again uh as people as some of you know uh these abductions just don't take place at night when someone's laying in bed sleep and they could happen in the broad daylight there's been you know a lot of these people say well they they lost two hours you know you know during they have lost they lost two hours of time while they're driving down a highway 
that kind of thing happens all the time. And then later on, they'll go to a hypnotist or a psychiatrist and get hypnotized, and they'll learn, oh, okay, yeah, I, I ended up driving off a highway not even knowing what I was doing, and it was a, a, a flying saucer sitting there, and I was brought into the spaceship, and they you know, laid me on a table and then did things to me and then set me back on my way, and then my memory returned. So things like that happen all the time. So there would have to be, you, you would pick the, the scientific study would basically focus, say, like, just as an example, could be more, could be less, could be just two people, or, you know, maybe even one. But let's just say for the sake of argument, the, the scientific group puts out three different scientific teams to study three different alien abductees. You know, you have cameras going like uh, from a distance, constantly, you know, f- following these people throughout their days. Uh, have people watching them, you know, from a you know a house across the street, from a van across the street, you know, watching this, watching it constantly, you know, ha- have the the houses set up where these people live. Like this would be all part of the agreement that they would sign before they uh, this ha- they they entered, uh, they agreed to do this. Like have actually you know cameras set up at at different parts of their house and they have to be aware that this could be going on that there's going to be you know you're going to be being filmed you know your privacy is going to possibly be invaded if you if you decide to sign off on this but hey at the same time look at what the benefit might be in the end we might get to we, we might be able to prove scientifically that alien abductions do occur i know it sounds crazy right but I don't know how else would you go about this? How else would you go about proving this has been going on since then as we as far back as the 50s? I mean, who knows? It could have been going on a lot longer than that. But, you know, if you start with the first uh, really known report of someone getting abducted, it was Antonio Villas Boas in South America. Or he, you know, that guy was abducted right out of a, you know, he was plowing a field at night and the alien showed up. And of course, there was the 1961 Betty and Barney Hill incident. Um, and how many incidents after that i mean we have people like whitley streber uh whitley striber saying that you know he, he's you know he wrote books about being abducted communion along with uh, among other books but there should be a scientific study not just on ufos but on alien abductions right on alien abductions trying to get to the bottom of the alien abduction mystery and don't stop there right there's no reason to stop there there should be scientific studies uh, conducted serious scientific studies conducted not just on alien abductions right but on cattle mutilations find some of the best you know the the some of the best places where it seems like cattle are getting mutilated on a regular basis right and there's no uh you know there's ufo sightings in the in these areas right how about setting up certain teams in in in, in, in these areas right just the the constantly surveil 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a certain period of time, you know, to try to catch that evidence, to finally capture the evidence of the of one of these craft showing up and 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 taking a, a cow out of a pasture and then returning a corpse, you know, a, a, a corpse with the, you know, you know, no, with all the blood drained. You know, there should be studies on that. In addition, like again, in addition to these. Great studies. I'm very happy. Galileo Project, congratulations. I'm very happy to see something like that. But there needs to be more. We need to take this to another level. There should be, again, studies into alien abductions, scientific studies into cattle mutilation, and other phenomena, too, with regard to this. But I I think we're going to get a better answer by studying things like cattle mutilation and alien abduction than what we could possibly uh, call from, uh, you know, you know, 
from video and images of flying saucers, you know, I, I, I think because you're still going to have questions there. But if you were actually the cat, you know, have you know video evidence of someone getting abducted by aliens, of a craft taking someone, taking them in, and, and into it, and then returning them, right? You have that evidence, then, and then we everyone would know for a fact there would be no more laughing about this. There shouldn't be any laughing about it because it is happening. These there's people that are this is happening to it, and there's no question about it. Right. As far as I'm concerned, but not everyone believes it. But this this way, you could prove it scientifically. Again, some sort of scientific study that completely focus on alien abduction. And then, uh, you know, also another scientific study to focus on cattle mutilation. I mean, could you imagine having actual, you know, a scientific study presenting evidence of of, of a cow, you know, getting brought, you know, getting sucked up in a beam into a hovering UFO and then then that's corpse being returned. You actually have the evidence. You would have the visual evidence and you would have a, a scientific organization backing it saying, yes, this is what we captured on, on video. This is, this proves that yes, this, that's what is happening. These cattle are, 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 are getting uh, mutilated by these beings in these craft. And we don't know what's going, at least you would have some answer. You would know, okay, we would know as a human race that that is in fact, what is happening. So I think, again, these studies need to be taken to a different level. Uh, it shouldn't just be uh, just focusing on the craft themselves. And we need to get deeper into it. We need to figure out well, what's happening to people on an individual basis who are being actually abducted by aliens, right? Taken away, taken taken from whatever, from their life for, for an hour or two and then returned you know, and then some of them suffering with nightmares and and not knowing what it is, and then having to go to a psychiatrist, and and then to have the the memories uh, uh, restored, you know, under hypnosis, it would be it would be fantastic to have more than just again a Galileo project. It would be something something else to have alien abduction study cattle mutilation study we need to start taking this to another level i'm sure there's people out there who who have lots of money of course i gotta tell you right now i don't i'm not one of those people that can contribute a lot of money to something like that right but there are some billionaires out there who are interested in this subject and are interested in getting to the bottom of it just like these guys who who uh you know bought you uh skinwalker ranch you know to study that you know so why wouldn't they be interested in something like this and i'm sure there's other guys out there too you know there's definitely other people out there who have money that would uh put money toward a scientific program such as the ones i'm suggesting here